0: Hey everyone, just a reminder that we are recording remotely while we're quarantined. Uh, So the sound might be slightly compromised, but hopefully not too bad. Enjoy. Feminist Without Mystique, a podcast where we process politics, sex, and the unrelenting firehose of bullshit in the news through an unapologetically feminist lens. Each week we begin by venting about the news, go deep on one important issue call out terrible things happening below the top headlines in a segment called we see you. And then we end with something hopeful, Um, but we're going to do something a little bit different this week. We'll do um, our top uh, naughty and nice lists. Uh, We've put together a list of five uh, people or people who are naughty, um, top of the naughty list and um, five people or groups that are top of the nice list this year. Um, Yay! So woohoo! Just something a little bit different. Um, and just a reminder: if you're enjoying us, to rate, review, subscribe, tell your friends about us. Um, you know, we're we're a fun holiday light little light listen that you could bring up with family members on all sides of the political spectrum. Yeah,
1: no arguments ever. <laughs> no, 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 everyone's welcome. We're Switzerland, baby. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah so things we will get into our naughty and nice um list but I guess some things have been happening uh
0: <laughs> yeah it turns out it's, we like have been hacked we've
1: been hacked by <laughs> Arusha I mean they deny it but they always deny it like when they poisoned i am pretty his name now they, they don't they don't accept, you know, culpability for these things. So there's no world in which they'd be like, yeah, (laughs) it was us. But um, they hacked quite a bit of things, including the uh, U.S. Nuclear Weapons Agency within the Energy Department, Mm -hmm. which maintains America's nuclear stockpile. So, like, that makes me nervy. And they also, um, well, it's have affected... Entities apparently also includes the Commerce Department, the Department of Homeland Security, Pentagon, Treasury Department, U.S. Postal Service, the National Institutes of Health, as well as, like, 40 different Microsoft Mm. organizations, Mm -hmm. Um, and they think that they gained access by installing a a naughty little code (laughs) in this (laughs) software called from SolarWinds Corp. Mm -hmm. Um, And of course, that's used by government agencies, Fortune 500 companies. Uh, So it's um, a little disconcerting that uh, the Russians have had access to incredibly sensitive information for, they're saying, maybe like nine months. Um, Mm -hmm. So that makes me uh, nervous. I mean, Biden says he'll... Take cybersecurity seriously, so that's good. Trump's not really saying anything about it. No. And, no. Yeah, so here we are, just hacky, hacky, hack. What could possibly go wrong?
0: Ooh, it's a, uh, it's concerning. It's um, I don't like hearing about it. Really, I mean, it's one of those things, almost like global warming where you're like the, the colossal scale of how bad this could be is just just overwhelms the senses and makes me need to like go watch a tv show it's too much
1: yeah it's a, it's a lot the repercussions are potentially uh i don't know nuclear mm, they're pretty bad so it's uh we'll get more information about this i'm, I'm assuming they're, they're saying they're, they want to release more information when they have it but um <laughs> just stay tuned uh
0: yeah i mean it's uh, it's it's gonna be bad it's gonna be one of those things there where the new york times has said basically that like we will probably be feeling the repercussions of this um cyber it's an attack it really is like it's a it's an attack on the country um yeah and The, uh, the, (laughs) what, like, um, IT companies, uh, they, different security agencies have warned that this is a quote, grave risk to the nation's infrastructure. Um, the fact that they were, that this sophisticated code has been, um, operating undetected for like, oh, nine months or so, like since March. Um, (laughs) and you know, just attacking in a way that is—it's um, just hard to know at this point, like where they've gotten and what what information they have, and but it really seems like at a really fundamental structural level, the cybersecurity systems in this country that a lot of key places, including, like you said, the uh, you know different secure intelligence agencies and who you know places that have the treasury nuclear codes like uh yeah the mail the post office like (sighs) electric grids i mean it's really like you could shut down the country um it seems like with this information so i'm i'm worried obviously like that there is um something you know that they that they have something really dark planned that that um Mm they're going to inflict on everyone and it's going to be chaos. Like if, it, if like the power in an entire city is like able to be like shut down for a long time or like they could bring down a plane, you know, if they, if they have access to, I, I don't know. It just is very unsettling. And then it's, and then I take the next step to just feeling enraged because we have known that about, I mean, Russia hacking has been a conversation topic for years now, at least four, and we've had the Mueller investigation. We've had, um, bipartisan it's been a it's been a consensus among our 17 intelligence agencies that uh, the Russians did attempt to hack our election they absolutely did meddle and they tried to hack the voting infrastructure um, and while that wasn't a problem this year it now almost seems like it was conspicuously absent as a problem. Like they decided consciously not to go for that because they were like, these, these idiots go ahead and have your election. Like you're already fucking it up yourselves, but we are already like roaming around in all of your portion 500s, your think tanks, your government agencies, um, national security apparatuses. So, and, and it's something that the Trump administration never prioritized. William Barr never gave a shit about it. Like no one, In the Trump administration, because it was they perceived it to be to their benefit to ignore it, really, or just deprioritize it. Mm -hmm. Um, This is going to be a massive thing that the Biden administration is going to have to deal with. And frankly, as (laughs) with older leaders, you worry, or one one worries that, like, I you know how seriously, or do they inherently understand? this issue. And hopefully, I mean, I think Biden's smart enough to rely on people around him to. but it just feels like, you know, the world has so vastly changed since like when he was coming up, I hope that we can impress upon him how important defensive mechanisms are in terms of uh, cybersecurity. Yeah. And I think I'm, I'm
1: hopeful that we can because it's, it's <laughs> it seems that he listens to you know, science and the experts and, you know, has evolved in other ways, um, at least publicly. So I'm hopeful about that. It's just, yeah, the question of what nefarious shit are you, are they planning with this? Um, cause it's not like we can take the information back that they have. Like, I think they've, they've got it down somewhere. Yeah. Uh, so it's, um, yeah, there's, there's no good reason why they'd be lurking in our things. So it's, it's scary to think about some huge attack, like what are they coordinated? And like, anyway, we'll see. But uh, Biden says he takes cybersecurity incredibly seriously. And um, let's hope that they can prevent further uh, (laughs) damage and kind of hopefully understand what exactly was what information they had access to and hopefully figure out what how to pre- prevent them from, uh, exploding the whole country. I don't know.
0: <laughs> yeah. I don't yeah. know. Oh, and I guess we should mention at this time that we are also like, we're recording this one, um, early. So we're recording as of like Friday afternoon. So yeah, there's probably God knows what's going to happen over the weekend. There's a, a lot of what we're going to comment on in our little news section is going to seem perhaps a bit outdated by the time you're listening next Tuesday, Wednesday, like, hopefully there's a relief bill and hope and maybe we'll understand more about the, the nature of the hacking damage. So just a little yes. note on that. It's <laughs> December 18th right now.
1: So you, whatever point in time you're at, it's <laughs> the future. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So then we have, yeah, speaking of, do you want to <laughs> lead us off with the, the poison pill with the uh, GOP and fucking Mitch McConnell? And
0: cause we uh, don't need relief, right? Mm. Yeah, it's really disappointing to me. Um I, I mean, I thought that there was there was actually a pretty funny TikTok about it uh or like where it's like a Santa dancing towards like a COVID relief package and then there's a guy that's like Americans and they're all like yeah and then the Santa just like shimmies backwards into like a closet and closes the door and it's like yeah <laughs> that's sort of what it's so like. it feels <laughs> <laughs> like we um so as we know Congress has been working really hard to get some sort of COVID relief package uh passed before the holiday is to avoid a government shutdown because, you know, there has not been a package since April or like, yeah, April. Um, Nothing bipartisan has actually happened. Um, And, it's super frustrating because it seems like what we're looking at now is, uh, it, it looks like that it was very promising that a bill would be passed probably today. But in the 11th hour, there has been um, a poison pill essentially that Republicans have wanted to pass um, that basically uh, wanted to um, remove authorities that would give that Trump has had available, but it would be like removing powers that Biden would then have. Um, and the federal reserve would have to act and, pa- and like make um, to have broad power. in the in the upcoming months to essentially assist families assist, like um, in, in broader scale intervention efforts. Um, and yeah, so it's, it's, there's this, it's this, concept of essentially trying to handicap the federal reserve and limit their powers. um, And it's holding up the $900 billion relief bill. Um, It seems really uh, sneaky because we seemed as far as, as, as early as, or as late as last night, it seemed like, okay, we were reaching what seemed like a true compromise. Like, um, Democrats were not going to get a lot of what they wanted, but they were going to get a second round of checks. It was just going to be like a a check sliced in half. So that was not great. Um, there was going to be some unemployment assistance continuing. There would be, um, assistance for schools and hospitals and, um, mortgage and rent protections, like different things that were that are needed, um, in this moment where we still are in such a, um, unprecedented recession and a global pandemic. Um, but, Republicans um, are essentially just like kind of tanking the whole negotiation with this uh, Federal Reserve piece of information, piece of legislation that they... um, are insisting is they want it to be a part of, of the the relief package and it seems like the ex, a, a very similar action that we saw a lot of lame duck governors take in 2018 where they suddenly acted to reduce all of their powers and then congress which was a Repu- like in republican um, districts would, like, confirm that. So this was this was something that happened in, like, in Wisconsin, specifically when Governor Tony Evers was elected. Uh, there, the Repo- outgoing Republican governor acted to reduce um, his power and uh, basically passed a whole bunch of laws that just, like, w- dramatically reduced the amount of, like, assistance um, and powers that a governor could have. So anyway, so that's kind of um the nuts and bolts of where we're at, and it's only again like it's it's two p m eastern on friday um yeah, so
1: who, who knows what will happen but yeah like you like you mentioned it's it's interesting how they were cool with with that federal power when with trump a republican in office, but they don't want it for biden, it's just like they want to make it harder for him to do well and his administration to do well in the interest of returning to GOP power, which is just evil, you know?
0: hmm Just totally
1: evil. Stalling, yeah. you know, relief for people who really, really desperately need it out of, you know, in, in the interest of partisanship, so...
0: Yeah. Real shitty. Real shitty. Real shitty. <laughs> um, and frustrating cuz you know, it feels like the uh the news changes so quickly. Um and both of both sides are trying to spin that like they're trying the hardest they can like I think you specifically were mentioning like or you know, Mitch McConnell like whatever he speaks he has this, and I'll get into it because like he's one of my naughty lists. I'm sure I'm sure spoiler everyone, <laughs> is the number one I mean it's hard because naughty is so like um associated with, like, ooh, like, sexual things, and it's, like, <laughs> just sort of be, like, no, Mitch McConnell, you're number one on the naughty list, and not, and the furthest thing away from uh, sexual desire for me, mm-hmm. um, but, yeah, I, I, the way that he cynically speaks, I mean, and you know that he's fully, I, I mean, I don't think that he actually like he doesn't really believe that he's tried his, his hardest you know he he knows what to say and he knows that he can just say lies and and use bad faith arguments and we're at such a point where we we're just everything has been so corroded in terms of like um government and his his the way that he even has to speak for uh to the press like he 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 can just say the cynical least you know just bad faith statements and um we're all just we all just have to kind of swallow it so it's it's frustrating um to say the least to see this happening
1: yeah so hopefully they will get something passed uh that will help that will help people significantly yeah. <laughs> we'll
0: see stay tuned mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: All right, shall we get into the naughty, naughty people?
0: Yeah, yeah. All
1: right, do you want to start the naughty since you have three naughties?
0: Yes, sounds good. Three naughties. (laughs) Three naughties. Um, Yeah, well, I will actually just start it off then with Mitch McConnell, who I um, took probably the least amount of notes on because he, at this point, I just feel like you can't have a a list of like, you cannot have a naughty list that in 2020 that does not include or prominently feature Mitch McConnell because he's been in public service, quote unquote, for decades, um, longer than both of us have been alive at this point. Um, And he, in large part, is responsible for the toxicity the bad faith conversations, the lack of any actual progress or or, or legislation um, in the government like wholesale, um, he's largely responsible for there being no. Um, and sorry for the n- for the knocking. I have no idea what my brother is
1: doing. <laughs> dance, dance revolution, maybe.
0: Yeah, it's like did
1: stop, you stop. it's like shoes? <laughs> he stopped shoes? He's tap dancing.
0: <laughs> I don't know what's going on. Um, but if it gets worse, I'll pause it and go be like, um, hi. Um, <laughs> but. Uh, Mitch McConnell himself is responsible for, uh, you know, he, he started things off. He kind of like hit, um, hit his stride in, in the Obama era when we, when he found out just how much power he actually had when he was able to be, um, majority leader. Um, he wielded his power, uh, with force in an, in an unprecedented way, um, blocking um, federal appointments, bro- blocking judicial appointments, um, and obviously culminating in like um, blocking uh, Merrick Garland's appointment uh, to the Supreme Court um, under Obama. This all led to, and, and, and Democrats were responsible in a certain, well, not responsible, but it was hard because when you see one person willing to stoop to such a level, it's hard when you're trying to play by the rules. And, and I, and Obama was always like, when they go low, we go high. He was, he, he sort of allowed it. He allowed it to happen by, by not calling it out, by not kind of getting into the mud with Mitch McConnell by not playing politics in the same way. He he, he had tried to have a, a presidency that was defined by um, bipartisanship um, and and having a broad coalition of people that were working towards the better good. Sort of what you're supposed to do as a public servant, but not for Mitch McConnell. So that is all to set up that he, in the Trump era, because of his actions under Obama, was allowed to run ramp, roughshod over, over the government. And he has, he has reduced the Senate to a complete joke. It was the Senate was supposed to be quote unquote, the greatest deliberative body in the world. And now there's absolutely, it is like pure partisanship. And that is down to him. And down to the fact that we now have a judiciary that he has molded, I think a third of the of the be- judges on the bench right now have been appointed by Trump because there were so many left open because Mitch McConnell refused to appoint anyone under Obama. That is going to have such a long-lasting effect at the state and local level. Then we have the Supreme Court, which we've already talked about. So again, won't get into it. We have the the, the travesty that was um, Kavanaugh. We had Gorsuch, then Kavanaugh, then Amy Coney Barrett. Coney Barrett. That one. That one. To spend a moment on just because we have not had any COVID relief in months. We haven't had anything bipartisan. And Mitch McConnell has refused to take up any legislation um, since, since April. And then we get a Supreme Court nomination, and he, he the day of just of Ruth Bader Ginsburg's death um, says we're moving forward with the nomination. He goes against absolutely everything that he has professed to stand for. He keeps moving the goalpost on those Supreme Court nominations on what's okay. You know, when it came to Neil Gorsuch, it was one thing, and then Kavanaugh was another, and then Amy Coney Barrett, it was another. So they rushed her um, nomination in, in a historic way because he, all he he knew that he had the votes he didn't care about any of the morality around it um, or optics he has, is immune to shame just like Trump um So he shoved her nomination down our throats, and that is all while we've been in the middle of a pandemic, and where he he has refused to give out any distribute any aid or work with uh, Nancy Pelosi. You know, a lot of the time when we hear about the 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 aid packages, it's been Nancy Pelosi working with Steve Mnuchin, the Treasury Secretary. We do not we do not hear or see um, Nancy Pelosi working directly with Mitch McConnell in any in any way. There's also the fact that Mitch McConnell has presided over the least productive congressional sessions in American history. Um, He normally, and when we look back at like sessions from the 70s, like Nixon era, you know, the the Congress was passing seven to 800 bills a year. Last year, under Mitch McConnell, it was less than 100. It was, I think, in the 80s in terms of bills that were passed. A lot of those were just extensions of other bills that had already been passed, just extending them along, or they were renaming buildings. It was, like, not important shit. Um, I I just feel like in this moment, Mitch McConnell, I mean... it's hard because I feel I almost get tongue tied because it's it. I'm so upset. I mean, I think that he represents the absolute worst motivations of this country. He is the, a, a, a deeply cynical bad faith actor who should, his legacy should live on in infamy. He should be, we should construct every law that, that is about, um, legislative process, uh, keeping in mind that there could be another person named Mitch McConnell who would be in office. Every law should be constructed around what could keep Mitch McConnell in line and force him to do his job. If he's a public servant, he should be acting as a public servant, in the public interest. He is not even popular in his own state. He, even though he did get reelected, he um, and his, his state, by the way, takes a lot of federal money for someone that doesn't want to give, it, Kentucky doesn't actually contribute much in terms of um, taxes to the federal Pot, but they take a lot out because they need a lot. Um, they yeah. need a lot of help. So there's there's irony abounds on this, um, and it's just he is just absolutely the worst person in public service right now with, you know, of course, the major perhaps caveat of Trump. But again, it's a classic, it's a classic conundrum for our time, which one is worse. But because he has been around longer, and he has been fomenting this, um, this distrust, and he's been capitalizing on the the rot that is that is Washington, DC. um, He is the absolute worst person. He is the naughty list for 2020 and all of the years that he's been majority uh, speaker of the house. I'm sorry. A uh, majority leader in Senate. Um, so for Mitch McConnell and I'm sure, and I know that there, there's so much more, this is like just this one. I was like, I'm going to go off the top of my head. Um, Mitch McConnell. I, I, um, I, I have, I have nothing. I have nothing nice to say. I, I, I have to just go with like, you can't say anything nice. Don't say anything at all in terms of like, I'll leave it there. You're the yeah. worst.
1: He's the worst. Cause he's effective.
0: He's effective. Yeah.
1: You know, he's smart, which I hate to let, you know, like he, yeah. what Trump lacks and follow through and effectiveness. Yes. Yeah. 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 All right, moving over to some other uh, uh, naughty people. Lumps of coal for them. uh, Mark and Patricia McCloskey, a two-for-one. You may remember these um, (laughs) people from when they drew their guns on Black Lives Matter protesters who were peacefully protesting, but walking on the street in front of their house in a gated community. So (laughs) naturally, they had to whip out guns and just kind of point them every which way.
0: Naturally, um, as one does.
1: As one does. Yeah. And then and they were cute, they were saying that one of the protesters had a gun, but it was actually a, a microphone. All kinds of things. Um and why I picked them, I don't know them personally or any of the people on this list, but I feel like they are not only awful as individuals they are representative of the worst of america um right now kind of white people who refuse to even try to understand the racism in this country and their complicity in it Mm -hmm. it's at this point there you have to have some willful ignorance like we know that systemic racism and police brutality are things we know that we have all of the numbers all of the research the lived experiences of people of color which of course it's harder for white people to listen to that, but we've we've got it all, and still because of this fragility, because of not wanting to not be on top anymore, um, or maybe just because you know you you feel less special when you realize that the successes in your life are due in a large part to privilege you were born into. Mm-hmm. Um, we have all of these people in this country that are making it. So much harder to attain actual equality um, because of this, so I feel like they're a great example of of that kind of person, which we've always had in this country, but I think that not only Trump has incited people to be more vocal about this, um, it's we're seeing we're seeing a lot of it now, but it's always it's always been there, and those two fucking assholes are just great representations of uh, how not to be a person. Mm. So fuck yeah. <laughs> fuck
0: them. <laughs> <laughs> fuck them. Fuck yeah. them. God, they also like spoke at the DNC or the RNC like yeah. Ugh. Like
1: yeah, which is also just like they are lifted up by a certain just like Kyle Rittenhouse, you know. It's like they're American heroes for pointing their guns at black people who weren't
0: doing anything wrong. Okay. Mm. right I would love to see the tables turned it's like if that was a black couple trying to defend themselves against like you know white supremacists you know (laughs) like yeah we the cops would be called and it would you know it's like who it it, the whole concept of stand your ground like literally only exists for reckless white you know white people um yeah it's it's just part of yeah it's
1: it's just an excuse for racists and homophobes and transphobes to kill people, basically.
0: It really is. Oh, fucking fuck. Oh, well, next on my Hanadi list um, would be uh, Attorney General William Barr, um, who just resigned earlier this week um, with one of the most, like, nauseatingly sycophantic letters that I've ever read. It was disgusting. Um, And he left because he was, he was. it seems like, I mean, we don't know for sure, but that he was getting on Trump's bad side because he had, it's become clear that there was an investigation into Hunter Biden's financial dealings and that Barr um, didn't disclose those in the middle of the election cycle, which is like, again, the lowest bar that for him to reach is is to continue the policy of, of the FBI and of the Justice Department not to release these types of things. Um, but yeah, that was in. That was raging Trump and then it also Trump was also pissed because uh, Barr has essentially made it clear that he was not going to be helping to facilitate Trump's just general undermining and overturning of the uh, free and fair election that we just had Um, again like the bar is super low. And um, I think that a lot of, you know, a lot of people think that Barr has been trying to basically rehabilitate his last, his legacy in these last like couple of actions being like, well, I didn't disclose the Hunter Biden investigation during the election and I didn't overturn the election. So I'm really like, my reputation is intact. Um, And I am just here to say your reputation is, destroyed you what little reputation and the respect that he had when he came in a lot of commentators said that he would be a sobering influence on on Trump and that he would be fair and that was smashed two pieces um, in almost instantaneously because Barr again, he was, I will remind you, he covered up the um Trump campaign's cooperation with Russian efforts uh to interfere in the twenty sixteen election. Um in his resignation letter, Barr said it was quote, an effort to cripple, if not oust your Trump's administration with frenzied and baseless accusations. Um so that was that was never true, but that was that was the first and most, I think, egregious thing that right. Alerted us all that uh, that Barr was going to just be a Trump toady and just facilitate everything, um, everything that Trump wanted. Barr hides behind this like legal theory of the unitary executive, um, which is a which construes presidential power to be extremely broad, um, and under that broad of a reading, it would be hard for the Mueller reporter for anyone to really tell Trump he can't do anything, um, which is just, you know, convenient when it's like, when there's a Republican in power, but I'm sure the theory of the unitary executive falls completely apart as it already is with Biden, where they're like trying to kneecap his powers. Um, Via this COVID bill, it's just like no, the president. Ugh, that's what the legislative body's for. Suddenly, everyone's piping up talking about the separation of powers as soon as there's a Democrat in power. Anyway, It's right, so interesting. Um, um, when his when he started, Barr gave a. Uh, a like basically a letter a memo that no one asked for, totally misrepresenting um basically lying about the summary of the mueller findings um and it just left enough of a uh, a leadership vacuum that there was there was not a whole lot that came out of the mueller report um because the investigators themselves kind of refused to draw any real uh concrete conclusions <laughs> that would say that you know hey Trump it was it was clear if you just read it but of course with someone like Barr he could he smoothed it all over in his memo that no one asked him to write and was totally uncalled for um It's been pointed out that Barr has acted like Trump's personal attorney rather than the actual attorney general of the United States. Um, He dropped the case against former National Security Advisor Michael Flynn, um, who had already pled guilty to federal crimes, which led the government to be in a position where it was like, we're dropping... We're dropping a case that um, we actually had a case for before. It's, you know, confusing. Don't look too hard at it. Um, he fired the U.S. attorney for the Southern District of New York, Jeffrey Berman, um, which was in retaliation for the division's investigation into Trump and his associates. And he also tried to lie and claim that Berman had resigned. And there was that whole, like, day where, where there, it was, like, playing out on Twitter where Berman was like, I didn't resign. And he's like, "Yeah, it was just... Ugh. Um, Barr personally ordered this year the violent dispersal of lawful protesters from Lafayette Park in D.C. so that Trump could do that egregious photo op um, in the middle of the Black Lives Matter protests after George Floyd was murdered. Um, and he's been super anti-Black anti, anti Black Lives Matter in, in all of his um, ensuing investigations. Uh, he was um has opened cases against different protesters he also presided over um the like unmarked vehicles and like people without badges who were just like clipping people off the streets in portland which we still like don't really have real answers for aside from you know they're just people were held without being told what they were being charged with and then um Released. He had the, uh, the cities that were anarchist cities, anarchist jurisdictions, basically Seattle, New York, and Portland. He just doesn't like us. He threatened to remove all federal aid. Um, he also um, attempted to shield Trump from the defamation lawsuit filed by Eugene Carroll, um, arguing that Trump was acting in his capacity as president when he denied knowing Carroll before he assumed office. And thus could not have sexually assaulted her, as she alleges. I would love for any lawyer to tell me how that makes any sense um, and why the Attorney General of the United States should be at all involved in that type of defamation lawsuit against a citizen and, and the president. Um, cool. He also reduced the um, sentence of Roger Stone, and he has ordered and is overseeing, as we speak, an unprecedented number of executions. Um a lot of them were a couple of them are with people who were um uh mentally ill and uh, there's there are reports that he told confidants that he 's quote excited about it and hopes to have as many as possible um he He is presiding over 15 people being executed, um, by the time he leaves office. Um, and that's five times the three executions that had been carried out by the federal government in the last 50 years. Um, it's, uh, the, the, The two most recent ones are um, the first to be carried out by a lame duck president since Grover Cleveland in 1889. Um, So that's also pretty gross. He's going out of the way to execute people, (laughs) um, which I would just like to point out because he always talks about his faith and he's very dogmatic. Um, That's not very pro-life. Uh, you know, I, that, that's the part of the thing that gets me is like Barr has such a contempt for the people that he actually serves and he has a contempt for Black Lives Matter and he has a contempt for inmates uh, and he doesn't show any mercy and he's he's exercising certainly like the broadness of his power to execute um, people on death row uh, in a way that's really not in keeping with our, our the modern way that that those powers are are executed. Um, and it's, uh, frightening and it's, it's, it's really, um, just setting a bad, a bad example going forward. Um, he, he similarly to Mitch McConnell is someone who in 2020 has absolutely solidified himself as like, I think he's the worst attorney general in modern history, but possibly in history again, like it's hard to judge, but I, I, it's hard to find someone else who, who has operated with such an impunity and um, a disinterest in actual public service and absolutely has been a sycophant of Trump's. He hasn't acted independently, as he should as attorney general. Um, he is someone who has also said history is written by the winners. So oh, to this pugnacious geez. asshole... <laughs> You're on the naughty list. <laughs>
1: You're on the naughty list. We see it. Naughty list. Naughty <laughs> list.
0: <laughs>
1: All right. We can't do a naughty list without mentioning Trump. Um, Donald Trump. Mm. He, in his four years as president and in his life before that, he's done so many awful things. I'm going to try to focus just on some of the low lights of 2020, um, because we could do a whole episode on like one month from 2020 of Donald Trump, one day, honestly. Um, We started the year about, uh, I think it was, yeah, three days into the year when Trump authorized the drone strike that killed General Soleimani, um, which led to some, really scary days that included a retaliatory strike by Iran um, on bases that were housing the U.S. troops in Iraq. So that was <laughs> kind of how we started the year. Um, he's mishandled the the COVID pandemic every fucking step of the way. Um, before the pandemic started, you know, Trump had fired the pandemic response unit that the Obama administration put in place. He had cut funding to the CDC, shut down research labs that were set up as early warning units, including one in Wuhan. Um, And so that was all before it. And then this year, he has... He didn't give states the things that they needed. He basically forced states to figure out 50 of their own plans to to deal with COVID. Um, and then when they would come up with things, you know, he would do things like tweet, liberate Michigan. Uh, he downplayed the virus constantly. You know, we know that he knew that it was deadlier than the flu, that it was airborne. And then he lied on live TV about it repeatedly, repeatedly, repeatedly. He didn't even wear a face mask in public until July 11th, um, Mm Which is insanity. When he tested positive, some <laughs> naive <laughs> people thought maybe this will change him. Maybe he'll finally understand. Mm. No, like he—I think we all remember when he went on the little joyride in in the uh, hermetically sealed vehicle with a Secret Service agent, putting the Secret Service agent at risk because Trump wanted his ego stroked. Um, and then, of course, he gets back to the White House and continues to generally be shitty when it comes to COVID. Um, He is responsible for the fact that so many people have died because he has, like I said, he's mishandled this every step of the way when it comes to testing, when it comes to giving people correct information, when it comes to allowing agencies like the CDC to do their job. He's just kind of been a bull in a china shop and fucked everything up um, and not really seemed to care about it. You know, people in his own circle have died from covid have been infected from covid and uh yeah overall we, we'd give him an f rating for the the handling of this pandemic he's yeah. um averages more than 50 lies a day um mm. which is mind mind numbing but that, that is but that, that is the case that we have a a leader who just so blatantly lies each and every day, so much, tens of thousands of lies that he has said. Um, And you still have people that believe everything that comes out of his mouth. I don't understand it. He, speaking of the Russian hacking that we mentioned at the top of the episode, he threatened on, it was yesterday, to veto the National Defense Authorization Act, which includes money to help prevent such cyber attacks. Mm. So really, really going out with a bang there. Um, Of course, he's been stoking racism. We all remember when he said there were good people on both sides, referring to Nazis and and protesters. He is, with his words and his actions, has has made race relations worse in this country, um, has generally been Racist and misogynistic and all of these awful things um, consistently. But now that he that he's been in a position of power, that has just, like I mentioned earlier, kind of. Um, in, not incentivized, but given people the, the the green light to go ahead and act on that. You know, when he famously told the Proud Boys to stand stand back and stand stand down and stand by, stand back and stand by. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, we saw the Proud Boys riots. I believe last weekend, where they were. <laughs> They were out. They were out and about. Um, He's also, Trump has taken away throughout the years, but including in 2020, environmental protections, uh, trying to, he's, you know, trying to falsify environmental impact reports so that drilling and things like that can take place in formally protected lands um mm-hmm. there's not really an area that he has not <laughs> kind of gotten his little paws in and, and fucked up in this in this country there's there's not a lot I could say he's he's done well and it's just uh, he's he, his whole life it seems he's been able to get out of any kind of situation he finds himself in that he doesn't like you know mm-hmm. so the little silver lining of all of this, it seems like finally his fixers can't fix this and he is going to be out of the fucking White House and hopefully in jail. Mm.
0: Yeah. But of course,
1: he's talking about trying to pardon himself and pardoning his family members and Rudy Giuliani and who, who knows who else, everyone. Um, so in summation, I guess it's just having someone who is a narcissist, morally bankrupt, Um not capable of critical thinking or empathy. Just kind of having this person in charge of the country, it turns out was like a really bad thing. Um, it's, I think he may go down as, hopefully he'll go down as the worst president in United States history. Otherwise <laughs> what's coming in the future. Um, but yeah, no naughty list would be complete without without Donald Trump and he just is the, uh, he represents everything awful and kind of like you were saying, like Mitch McConnell, but he's just, just less intelligent than Mitch McConnell. So he's not, I think part of what has saved us from even more awful things happening under Trump is his inability to, um, really be a a human being who who has long-term goals. He's just a very short-sighted, emotional, um, very emotional leader, you know, which is always interesting when you think about people criticizing the idea of a woman in charge as being too emotional and you look at all of his outbursts over the years. Um, Mm. Fuck you, Donald Trump. He is, he would have been on the naughty list every year as well, but um, yeah, can't, can't not mention that guy.
0: You can't not mention him. You can't. Yeah, you got to bring him up. You got to bring him up. And yeah, his list, his list is long, and there are podcasts, many podcasts singularly devoted to all of the ways in which he is awful. Yeah. and um, continues to be, yeah. and continues to be. I actually, and as we were, um, as you were talking about Trump, I just, uh, I checked the Twitter, Um and there's a business insider hasn't has news that Jared Kushner helped to create a Trump campaign shell company that secretly paid the president's family members and spent 617 million in reelection cash. Mm-hmm. Like it, they are grifters. They're grifters. It's like they're denying people basic aid that like so many other countries have figured out you know canada is giving their citizens like two two thousand dollar checks a month you know there's there we (laughs) more people died in one day yesterday in the us than in japan from the coronavirus all like Total. Um, It's so, so frustrating. What a colossal failure we are all living through. What a failure the government has wrought on all of us. And all the while, they are always covering their own asses. They're covering the asses of the business interests and the corporations who um, butter their bread. And uh, it's, it is, it's... (sighs) It's very, very dark and unacceptable, and I cannot wait for them to all be out of office um, and unelected office and get their fucking hands out of the till. Um, anyway, that wasn't uh, <laughs> it's just like a little side rant. Um, yeah, my last naughty person is um, Rupert Murdoch. Um, this one set me off actually this morning because I was going to go with someone else and then So Rupert Murdoch received the um, COVID vaccine last night. It was happening at the exact same time that Tucker Carlson uh, was peddling vaccine hesitancy, and he was focusing on an allergic reaction, a rare allergic reaction, and suggesting that viewers should feel nervously about the uh, the vaccine. And the he he called the vaccine. a marketing campaign. Um, he said that, again, Tucker Carlson said that he personally supports vaccines, but he also warned his large audience that the campaign to inoculate the public was an attempt by the government and elites to exert control over their lives. This is at its core, the the contradiction of of Fox News and of of the toxic global empire that uh, Rupert Murdoch has overseen for the like last thirty years or so, um, he has he has a monopoly um, on Australia's media and which has been called a cancer on democracy democracy that is chilling free speech and undermining public debate. He oversees like a bunch of tabloids in the UK that are super destructive, including the Sun. Um, and in the U S, uh, he, he oversees Fox news, um, and he has a publishing house and a Hollywood studio and many, um, television networks. And it's, it's, it's a global empire that has been, uh, amplifying, amplifying nativism, um, and fake sort of, and and fomenting fear and distrust in authority. It's been trumpeting anti-intellectualism. It's been intentionally mixing um, opinions with news (laughs) and like real news. And then there's, of course, the the whole phrase fake news, you know, um, has been sort of amplified by um, by Fox News, who interestingly maybe will be hoisted by their own petard because they weren't fake enough. And so now Trump is sort of taking on OAN and um, I don't even remember the other like weird news network that he's, he's starting to promote, uh, all because the news part of Fox News called Arizona, you know, or like they're doing occasional good news reporting. Um, anyway, um, this... I'm glad that people, I'm glad that there's a lot of, um, there's, there's this moment where people are recognizing, Hey, it's wildly, uh, shitty that, (laughs) that Rupert Murdoch can get the vaccine all while his, a lot of his, uh, news outlets are actively sowing discord and distrust and, um, not so subtly discouraging people from, from trusting these uh, 95% effective vaccines that have gone through clinical trials and have been vetted by the FDA. Um, It's, uh, it's sinister. It's, it's that, it's that anti-intellectualism, anti-science. He, uh, the sun, um, which in the UK uh, sort of helped to so that discord that led to Brexit um, in Australia, um, it helped repeal a carbon tax for, um, and it's, uh, he's just a very dark figure um, who has wielded a lot of um, hard and soft power over over the years and created, helped to create the media environment that we're in now and the, uh, the divisive, space that we all, that we all live in, in, um, in the, in the news sector. Um, so I just thought it was, it was, um, kind of the pinnacle of everything that's, that's, that's broken that this man, because of his wealth and because of his age um, and because he's in the UK where they have a completely different healthcare system uh, was able to get the vaccine yesterday. And um, meanwhile, in the U S there are going to be thousands of people that die today (laughs) um, and the next day and the next day and the next day because of the failure um, of management, of the, uh, people that Rupert Murdoch has promoted and supported and poured money into, and then just poured a lot of bad faith, like inane, um, anti-intellectual news coverage, um, that has created a, just a populace in America that is distrustful and, uh, uninformed and hateful. So Rupert Murdoch you're on the naughty list naughty list all right moving over to the nice
1: list (laughs) all right we'll start out with uh, Dr. Fauci predictable I know but we love a Fauci. um he's another one who's he's been in the game for a long time uh he's been the director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases for like 36 years um You know, he was helping with AIDS, with Zika, all kinds of things. And he's really come to uh, public attention (laughs) this past year. He's he's a no-nonsense, pro-science, he doesn't sugarcoat. He he won't be pressured by politicians. He's gotten death threats uh, left and right. He has to walk with um, the security, his schedule. I uh, did an interview where he was talking about his schedule. He's like scheduled within a minute of his life every day. Yeah. He's, he's really out there doing, in contrast to some of these other people, he is a true public servant. He he tells us the truth. He gives us the science. He wants to help people. He wants to save lives. And he's one of the rare, I think part of why we've grown to love him so much is he's one of the very, very rare public figures of 2020 that we can trust that he has shown us that we can trust. His very existence has been cathartic. (laughs) You know, it's like in in all of this and all this madness, it's turning to people like him and, you know, Rachel Maddow, who's not on my nice list, but she's always on my nice list who show up, tell us the truth consistently, um, in a way we can understand. And he also leads by example, his, um, his 80th birthday is right around Christmas and he's going to be celebrating his birthday and the holiday with just his wife, um, And he is, you know, so he's out there walking the walk, (laughs) talking the talk. And if he hadn't, if he had been absent, I mean, on the coronavirus task force, it's like he was one of two (laughs) medical professionals, you know, so having him... I can't imagine how much worse this pandemic could have been, but I am sure it would have been much worse without him. And it's just there's just kind of a uh, a quiet dignity to him. And I have appreciated having him to look to as an authority and as a voice of reason and science through this wild year when, you know, the president, we couldn't trust anything he said and his administration can't trust really anything they say. And Dr. Deborah Burks kind of had some sketchy moments. So she's not on the naughty list, but she's not on the nice list either. So I am eternally grateful to, to Dr. Fauci, um, for doing his job, which normally shouldn't get you on the nice list, but in the environment he was working in, he could have quit. He could have given into the pressure, like so many fucking people have. Mm -hmm. And he just, Stood up there and, and told us the truth and tried to help. So, yeah, thank you, Dr. Fauci. We love you.
0: Thank you, Dr. Yeah. Fauci. We love you,
1: Zaddy, <laughs> or Grand zaddy, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Um, okay. So speaking of, cause you put it so well when you said, you know, he, he Fauci, he shows up and tells us the truth consistently. Um, that is why I picked, uh, AOC, Alex- yes! Ocasio-Cortez, Congresswoman, Queen. Um, because... Because of just that, because she has remained her most positive, strong, and articulate self in the face of relentless bad faith attacks. Um, she is someone who knows how to use social media to sort of get across what we need to know in, a, in simple terms. Um and she's clear. She is clear. She's unapologetic. She unapologetically puts people in the working class first, which makes me so proud to be a member of, of the same party as her. Um, it, it makes It's always comforting to hear from her. She was the first person who actually gave me some, some calm, and she, she sort of assuaged my grieving, frayed nerves the night that we learned about RBG passing away. Um, because... I I saw that she was going, that Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez was going live on Instagram. And I just, you know, I clicked on it and I felt better afterwards. She was was speaking to us in our grief, but she was remaining clear-eyed and realistic about what needed to happen in the coming days, weeks, months ahead. How much harder the fight was going to be without RBG in the world and on the court. Um, She has... Is is unafraid to stand up for fully what she believes in, not compromise. She compromises when she has to because she's a, a practical congresswoman. But there is a difference between, um, and there's a, there's a difference between sort of selling out, compromising on her morals. Um, she is always clear about what she needs and how willing she's how willing she's going to be to move towards um, a more moderate position to get things done and to to make. Um, progress, to make some progress, um, slow as it may be. Um, she is always annoying the crusty congressman, um, (laughs) because she's continuing to punch above her weight in terms of the, her, her intelligence and her age and her experience. Um, She's always finding authentic ways to communicate her core values um, and communicate why it makes sense. And not only why it makes sense, why it is in our fiscal and human interests, like why it is in a societal interest, why it is like fiscally sensible, what she's proposing. Um, And she has a list of ways in which, like, the Republicans are wildly hypocritical and in which, and the ways in which, she is held to such a different standard than, than others. I mean, she, she mentioned once that she uh, once recently that she considered not running last year, which was horrifying to me. um, As, as someone who I just, I find her so inspiring. Um, She is constantly being negged for what she wears or her lipstick or where, or getting a haircut that was like too expensive. Um, And it's, uh, It's it's always a one-sided thing. It's always just directed at her because she is um, an incredibly inspiring uh, public figure. And uh, I'm just so grateful to have her on our team. I'm so grateful that she is relentless in her pursuit of uh, justice, fair fair wages, environmental justice. Uh, Like she is out there on the front lines every single day. And she somehow remains um positive, uplifting, inspiring and she has like just a beautiful kind of fresh glow about her all the time and it's it's it makes me feel better to whenever I get a dose of AOC, um, in my life and especially in 2020, I'm so grateful to her. So she is on the nice list for me.
1: Yay. All right. Next on the nice list, powerful women. Yes. Stacey Abrams. Mm -hmm. Um, she has been working on voting rights issues for decade. Um, but we were she sort of came to the public forefront in 2018 when she barely lost the race for governor. Um, and there were, there was a lot of voter suppression uh, happening in the, in that race, mostly voter suppression, trying to suppress votes from, um, black voters. And after she lost by a small margin, I think it was like 50 something thousand votes, um, lost unfairly. I, in my opinion, she, we just got back to work. She launched Fair Fight, which is the organization that encourages voter participation and bite suppression. They registered close to a million first-time voters in the 2018 to 2020 um, time frame. I we have her and the people she works with in her organization to thank for winning Georgia. The last time Georgia went blue was in 1992, um, and I part of the. <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen in Georgia with the runoff, but if we manage to pull off uh, two Democratic victories there, we will have Stacey Abrams again to thank for that. She has done more for um, for voting rights than anyone else I can think of in, in recent history. Um, and she reached out to people who had been disillusioned by the electoral process because of blatant voter suppression and discrimination um and i'm hoping hoping that other other places other people will see Stacey abrams and her organization and the example that she's led and will start to take the lessons from what she's done and apply it to where they are um mm-hmm. because she's she's shown that you know, we can, we can get, we can get things done because a lot of people did not believe in her in 2018 when she was, when she said she's going to fucking flip Georgia. Um, and she's the first to say she didn't do it alone. Um, she works with a lot of great people, but she is a leader. She is a role model. She is an amazing human being who, um, I'm just so grateful for. Um, she's, she's a queen and I can't wait to see where she goes and, we all need to be thankful to her, um, to black women in general for <laughs> always getting us out of these situations. Yeah. Uh, My God. <laughs> uh, Stacey so Abrams, you are on the nice list. I'm sure oh. she's so glad to hear. <laughs> she's honored. <laughs> she's honored. The greatest honor of her life, I'm sure. <laughs>
0: Um, Speaking of someone who I'm sure will personally hear about this and be completely just smitten. um, (laughs) Hillary Clinton is my other for the nice list. Um, I've been thinking about her a lot lately, but I, she's kind of always, she's always like right behind my thoughts. You know, she's always kind of there um, especially as we've gone through these four years. And um, I feel like she has carried herself with, with a huge amount of poise and good humor throughout this nightmarish presidency. Um, she has been graceful and inspiring and um, navigated, I think like a space that's so hard as probably as like a former first lady, but also a, you know, a former Senator and a former secretary of state and um, someone who is just like indelible in, um, modern American politics, but, uh, and everyone has an opinion about her and every single thing she does is like so picked apart and and people are so offended by her presence basically anywhere. Um, I just feel like she has always, she's, she's still to this day, um, relentlessly committed to public service and improving the public good. Um, she has her Onward Together foundation. Um, they have just added a couple of different partners, one of whom is Higher Heights, which is uh, has a mission to build back um, build black women's power um, in and out of the election cycle and Accountable Tech, which is taking on companies at the center of misinformation, the misinformation crisis that has destabilized our democracy. So even just with, like what she's doing as her daily work right now, she's tackling two of the major things we just talked about in our naughty and nice list, like account misinformation of the, of the fucking Rupert Murdoch empire that's destabilized democracy and supporting black women. You know, it's, it's, she understands those things. She has always been someone who is evolving, learning, becoming like a better and better uh, person and, 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 and truer and truer, I think to herself, I think after 2016, she was finally feels like, you know, (laughs) fuck it a little bit. Um, but the fuck it version of Hillary Clinton has just been even better than the versions that we've had before. Um, it's especially, I think, noteworthy, um, in this moment too, where we're, where there has been just a massive hacking you know a massive breach uh, we how much how much ink has been spilled and articles typed about her goddamn emails her email server on which there was no, absolutely nothing in terms of like there were a couple of emails that were marked confidential that like of course as as Comey told us it was extremely careless, the finger wagging, like we remember it, but um, we have learned in the last, we've learned in the last few years that the Trump administration, specifically Ivanka, has used private email servers and her personal email um, for public business. Um, We know that James Comey actually forwarded stuff to his Gmail that he shouldn't have, um, which I haven't, you know, it's like those those news items came and went for most people, but not for me, who will carry this grudge forever. <laughs> forever, forever. Um, You know, and I'm sure that it's 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 tough for these types of things to come out and for um, Hillary Clinton to basically see uh, the way that she was just uniquely treated. I mean, we have a president who says he's treated so badly, the worst, maybe worse than Lincoln, um, you know. But uh, I just, I, again, like, I, I had to pick... Um, another w- f- public servant who has who continues to make me so happy and proud that I am am on this team and that we're all fighting for the right things and who I can only hope to be like as as graceful I mean and unflappable and um pragmatic and optimistic and uh as as still as dedicated to helping the greater good and to um, being a team player for pub- the public interest as, as she is. So um, Hillary Clinton, nice list forever.
1: <laughs> and rounding out the nice list, we have essential workers. Um, I mean, doctors have been getting, always get a lot of Applause, you know. Everyone always jizzes about doctors, which is, you know, doctors should be appreciated right now for sure. And nurses are getting appreciated right now as they should. Um, but a lot of the lower wage workers, for instance, people who work in housekeeping and hospitals, aren't really getting as as many props. Um, and you know, the hospital would would grind to a halt without these people in. during this pandemic and during all times. Um, And it's worth pointing out that one in three jobs held by women is essential, essential work. And people of color account for 43% of all essential workers. So we have women, people of color, women of color in these roles. And I'm hoping that we're not going to, when all of this is over, (laughs) fingers crossed that it will ever be. Um, I really hope people don't forget about the contributions that these people made, had to make shouldn't have had to make Mm -hmm. Um, and particularly when you look at the higher death rates um, among people of color and you look at who are in these roles and you look at people like Murdoch and <laughs> jumping over and getting the vaccine in the UK. Mm-hmm. And it's so, so unjust, so unfair. And in general in this country, I think we have an issue. I know we have an issue in terms of what kind of work we respect and mm-hmm. we see as valuable and what kind of work we kind of look down our nose at and say, well, they should get a quote unquote better job if they want to make more money. Well, then who's going to do that job? And what's wrong with this job? You know? Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping that people will, eventually start to see that there is value in work outside of you know working in tech or this and that or oh I have this cool job in PR I have this or that like these are the people to be thankful for and grateful to um for eternity and the, the 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 cost to these people not only in terms of you know financially but in in terms of the emotional burnout, everything that they're, they're dealing with, um, they, they can't really stay home. You Mm -hmm. know, they have to be out there doing it and dealing with people who might just be choosing to not be at home or might be choosing to, you know, just put everyone at risk, including these people. So shout out to the essential workers, all of them, not just the doctors and nurses, Mm
0: -hmm. um,
1: because, they are the backbone of this country and I think maybe we can see that more clearly now, those of us who didn't see it before. And yeah, let's raise that minimum wage, um, provide more protections for workers and show these people that we appreciate them. Yeah. Because we would have
0: fallen apart more than we
1: have without them.
0: Yeah. Here, here. I, I, you know, if there's, if there's ever a clearer way in which to have some sort of designation that like, if you are an essential worker, you get like this level of healthcare, you know, or like mm-hmm. you this, all of these jobs that have been deemed essential. It's like, well, how are we valuing essential? You know? Yeah.
1: Oh, for sure. Yeah. Like my new job, it's, it's I'm contracted. So my health, I have health insurance. I have to pay a, a Chunk of money for it, and it's not super great. So, Mm. (laughs) which is just one woman's tale, (laughs) (laughs) one essential worker's tale. (laughs) Yes, one recently barely essential worker. (laughs) Before that, I was just a lurker. Now I'm a worker.
0: (laughs) Oh, did you just come up with that?
1: I did. I was an essential lurker. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> there we go. Well everyone, um We'll have one more episode before the end of the year, and then it'll be 2021. My lord. My lord. Everything that's happened this year. um, When I look at, like, sort of the the refreshers of what's gone on in 2020, it is the longest year of all time. I Mm -hmm. mean, remember the the plane crash with Kobe Bryant and his daughter? Remember the fires
0: in Australia?
1: God, just so many losses so many deaths so god so much so here's to hoping that uh 2021 is a all nice list everything is gonna be great
0: everything will be great everything is gonna yeah. be great um just here's gonna,
1: hoping. yeah let's just march into 2021 with uh full blinders on <laughs> 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 some foolish optimism who knows
0: who knows uh, all right well, yeah Back to your cool. holidays.